Hello one and all, welcome to this week's Red Voices with myself, Ewan Lennett, and himself, Kev Thomas. If you're wondering whether or not to feel boundless or cautious optimism after a second successive 4-0 league win for United this afternoon, fret not, we're here to pour over the details, fine or otherwise, from a very profitable afternoon's work on the Welsh coast. Kevin, paint me a word picture of your feelings after today's win over Swansea, please. <laughs> What's the crack, man? Um, well, I think it's clear to see for everybody um, without getting carried away in the slightest, that we're definitely going to win the league and the Champions League. Um, no question, no question. Yeah, I mean, as our as our good friend James at Written Off MUFC observed on Twitter today, um, I think it's quite realistic to expect after eight goals in two games that we're going to finish on a goal difference of plus 162. So that, that's, that's where I am. How, how do you feel? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think this might be the greatest group of human beings or other any other species of uh, being assembled to one singular purpose in the history of time itself you know i can see that i can i get that <laughs> no <laughs> it, it was a it was yeah, yeah in, silliness aside it was a very very nice afternoon you know i would suggest that what the majority of that first 80 minutes was somewhat plodding not necessarily massively entertaining uh a, a needful afternoon's work in the sense that we were struggling to get through Swansea, but when we suddenly decided to turn on and pounce towards the end of the game with those three goals, it was wonderful to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was a very different game to last week because last week it was at home and, and we were playing quite well and quite assertively and West Ham were quite open Um, once we got, as soon as we went ahead, really. And we went ahead after about 20 minutes and... Yeah, in in the first half of this game, it was it it was a little bit of a throwback to last season, wasn't it? You know, you had uh, Swansea sitting very deep, uh, defending quite well. You know, pressing the ball quite assertively, and just not a lot of room for our attackers. So, yeah, for most of that first half, it felt very much like last year, and and it, and it was to to pluck a cliche out of thin air. It was very much balanced on a knife edge, and. The question you ask yourself is, which way is it going to go? Is this going to be... Because this is going to be the measure of whether anything has changed from last year, these types of games. You know, we we knew from the West Ham game, without reading too much into it, that we were going to be more mobile and athletic and assertive and, I guess, dominant on the break, if needed. Um, but I think the real test was, it was in many ways going to be, what were we going to do with these types of games where chances were hard to come by, uh, teams were happy to sit back, put 10 men behind the ball and just say, OK, come at us, break us down. And uh, whereas last year we would very much struggle to do so, um, you were hoping that this year it would be a little different. So for most of the first half, it was quite similar. I mean, I think Lukaku touched the ball 10 times in <laughs> in the first half, which I guess paints a real picture of the difference between him and Zlatan, because I think if that... It, at times last year's Latan would have been back in his own half almost just to get involved in the play in these types of games. It must be um, fair, it was whereas... Latan when he was playing up front for us at times last season. It was like there was a tractor beam contractually written into his deal that meant he had to have the ball <laughs> surrounding him for a certain amount of time during the game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I thought it would be really interesting to see how we would react to a similar situation. And, and we went ahead and then, yeah, even still, you kind of say, okay, now we're 1-0 ahead. We're not overly dominating the game. What's going to happen next? Um, what was what was your impression of that kind of, uh, I guess, the first half even? 
I think as you mentioned there, it was just figuring out how we were going to deal with the situation. It wasn't necessarily that the football on show was all that riveting. I think it was looking at... You don't say. Uh, well, it wasn't <laughs> terrible. We've seen worse games. I mean, you know, a good, what, 60% of our time under our uh, wonderful former Dutchman Louis van Gaal. But yeah, that's true. in that sense, because as you mentioned, we've seen this sort of performance and setup so often from United over the last few years, you know. Shock horror, a team is sitting deep and pressing aggressively and we're struggling to great chances. And, yeah. you know, as has been mentioned by the people, due to the fact that we you know, were sort of playing with Matt and Mkhitaryan and uh, Rashford behind Lukaku, it did make us quite narrow because there's only really one who is a, a natural wide player and Mkhitaryan's been playing a lot as a number 10 this season. So yeah. it was difficult to create in that first half. We weren't necessarily particularly fluid despite having plenty of possession. And, you know, Swansea, when they attacked which is obviously very rarely they looked uh quite purposeful you know i think it was au uh, clipped a, a miss it cross off the crossbar early on in the game and you know we managed to answer with a phil jones shoulder that went over fabianski's head and but didn't get the better of the crossbar ourselves not long afterwards but you know that first half was something of a slog we didn't create very much and you know it took you know, he mentioned that the game was balanced on the knife edge. It took Eric Bailey basically kicking that knife into orbit <laughs> for us to really get going. And, you know, it, it, a great, you know, way to end the half. It was, you know, I don't think you can necessarily say we didn't deserve it because we were clearly on top, but we were struggling to really create. And, you know, it took until towards the last sort of 10 minutes when we were starting to actually pepper Swansea's goal with, uh, you know, crosses and deliveries. So we actually started to get some headway, really, didn't it? Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Eric Bay deciding that after just one goal, not a hat-trick, he was going to have the match ball. I was a big yeah. fan of that. It was like, you know what? He deserves it. I like him. Um, He, he was a colossus today, actually. He, he he was a real throwback to the kind of performances you used to see from like, the heyday of Nemanja Vidic. And he was just dominant in the air, you know, assertive, taking the ball out of the defence. And yeah, just like this all-action domineering athletic performance and, and it was great to see him kick it off with a goal I think he is somebody I think this year will impose a lot more of his personality on that back line you know last year was very well, he done very well but it was very much of a betting in period for him but you saw little snippets of of you know his kind of behavior in you know different goal celebrations and team celebrations and the way he communicates and and, and uh, his relationships with the other players in the squad I think that he's very much in a position now where he can kick on and, and, and make himself like a, a leader, a, a stalwart of that back line. Because actually, out of anyone, he is probably the first name in the team sheet in that defence, isn't he? It's like whoever plays with him is probably going to be by plus somebody else. So it was great to, um, great to see him go ahead. On another note, it was really encouraging to see that we continued a theme from last week and, and, and continue to be a threat from set pieces. Um, because I think last year you would have had similar frustrations in terms of the failing to create chances and finding it very narrow and difficult to break down, but but maybe wouldn't have taken the lead in the manner that we did. So it was, yeah, a beautiful header from Pogba, uh, who's yeah looking a lot more dominant in games. And yeah, as you said, really just uh, by just alive to the chance and, and great to see him stick it in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, looking back through uh, Federico Fernandez's highlights from that game in general, there was one great pick of a cross that Pogba floated into the box not long before we scored. Did very well to get that clear. But 
you know, Bayou was just so much quicker in a lie to what was going on when that ball hit the bar and basically just didn't cross the line. And Bayou's just not going to miss from what? 0.5 centimeters out. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. lashed it home, bless him. And Fernandez was seemingly just waiting for some sort of decision that just was not coming. It was just great to see us take the league because, again, as you mentioned, there's so many of these games where we've you know struggled to curate and then the chances that we have maybe botched. So it was great to you know go into the end of the half you know with some something to shout about. Well, speaking of, speaking of which, actually, it was. Uh, did you notice? Uh... Rashford absolutely well making a chance into, uh, into the Swansea. Did I notice and... it? Yes, I had. Them, yeah. Well, uh, Rashford <laughs> yeah. had. I mean, we're gonna, we'll, we'll talk about the young lad. He, he okay. had a bit of an awkward afternoon, really, didn't he? I think yeah. the the booing by the Swansea fans and the jeering did seemingly get to him. And I think there was a couple of occasions where players were around and just saying, "Just calm down." You know, you, you're getting a bit worked up. And the booing uh, was, as was pointed out, uh, I think by Paul from the Rankcast, uh, as a result of him with that uh, slightly terrible dive when we last played Swansea at Old Trafford a couple of months ago. Uh, it's a bit sort of small time to hold those sort of decisions against players, but there we go. Um, but yeah, he did have an awkward day. Uh, it was a wonderful turn when he was playing on the left wing in the first half. Absolutely gorgeous. But that chance, I think it was uh, Malton who just headed it backwards straight into his path. And looking at the replay again... To Fabianski's right, there is just an absolute acre of space. Either side of the goalkeeper, that's going in. And then, yeah, the amount of people that tweeted the exact same Welbeck sentiment in the aftermath of that <laughs> chance, it was very deeply discouraging. I think that I think that moment from Danny Welbeck is just like a, an open wound for uh, as as kind of uh, symbolic of of our fall from grace. Almost, it's it's just one of those things that we look back at and and that Bayern game those set of Bayern games had had an opportunity to provide some small relief from the travesty of that first Moyes season and how much do you think it's going to be until Moyes actually releases an autobiography basically blaming yeah. all of his problems at United on that Danny Welbeck miss <laughs> but it was just one of those things wasn't it it's one of those things and it's something about the time in the game that it happened and and yeah, just it, it just made no sense to do, did it? And and it was just a bit of a throwback to that today from Rashford. And um, but yeah, it, Rashford is quite an interesting case because he is probably showing at the same time as showing all the positive reasons why he definitely needs to be involved and is one of our most important players. It's probably also showing just with slightly lacking that kind of clinical finish coming to him you know by nature is also showing why the signing of Lukaku was so important I mean there was a lot of uh, debate uh, over the summer about we don't want to sign somebody that's going to block Rashford's progress but I th- I think the way Mourinho is managing Rashford now e- even if you put conversations about his position aside I think it, it is quite good because he's heavily involved but he doesn't have the burden of being the one that has to score all the goals because probably weigh a little bit heavy on him at the moment and he, he's still young it's, it's just the start of the season though isn't it it's it's a bottleneck uh, right up until the group stages of the champions league starts you just have one game in a week and it just feels like no you get a load of people that just aren't playing that often but it isn't yeah. too long before you start playing two games a week and then you've got the christmas period and then once you get into january you know just by by the very nature of of how the season pans out it always tests the limits and the depths of your squad so um whether it's Martial or Rashford that that starts for the time being, and um, both of them will get plenty of football over the season, and the same goes for Herrera. Absolutely, I mean we are, as you said, in the very early stages. You know, we played a wonderful game at home last week, so it made complete sense that Mourinho really wasn't that minded to change too much. And 
you know, I was just thinking in the build-up, well, I say the build-up, just thinking during the game this afternoon, because, you know, I knew that we were going to be recording today, I was thinking what the chat's going to be about, and I thought, well, you know, if it stays 1-0, I guess there's a couple of things to point out. You can talk about how United ground through that, kept the game quite tight, were able to see it through, which is something we weren't able to do much in the last couple of years. You know, we'd either give away a late goal, or we'd be trying to batter down the door from, you know, a, a drawing position. But, our players seem to have other ideas in mind for the last 10 minutes. What an amazing period that four or five minutes was from the 80 minutes onwards. It was absolutely wonderful to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was blistering. It was great. I mean, I guess at, at some point, uh, Swansea needed to come out and, and actually try and get something from the game. And, and I, I hope that the difference this season compared to last season certainly seems to be the case, is that now we are equipped to capitalise upon teams that decide to open up and try and score so by Lukaku's very presence by his movement and how he creates space and, and just by having that powerful dominating athletic presence at, at the at the top of the team means that we are more well equipped than we than we ever have been under Mourinho to attack teams on the break I mean Greg talked about it last week on, on the pod about how Zlatan sometimes was an unnecessary additional pass in a break if that makes sense. And and you had Swansea switching to a back four from a back five, deciding to get a little bit more assertive, realising that if they wanted to get anything out of the game, they needed to start attacking a little bit more. And United having the players to absolutely counterpunch and capitalise on that. Uh, still high on confidence from last week. And then you've, So there was a switch where Fellaini came on and, and, and Pogba started playing a little bit further forward and Martial came on for Rashford. And I think just a combination of the fresh legs and Swansea opening up and, and attacking us and switching their system a little bit um, and probably the same players still being high on confidence from, from last week whereas last season we may have still been just quite methodical in our approach and, and maybe given away a chance and, and conceded an equaliser um, I think these players now seem to have the confidence to push on and capitalise on a team when they open up and when they get an opportunity to break it looks like they're really well equipped to uh, to punish teams so yeah I, I was talking to Phil uh, Phil Wilson about it earlier on Twitter and I was saying you know I'm, I'm happy if it's a case of us scoring that first goal by any means necessary and then just murdering teams on the break I'll take that every week it'll be fine That'd be absolutely wonderful. I, I would be very, very happy with that every single week. I mean, there's several observations to sort of pull out of that period. Number one, I reckon that is five goals scored from the 80 minutes onward already this season in two games. Beautiful. I know, isn't it? Uh, Alex Shaw tweeted that we have now scored 15% of our goals tally from last season in the league, I think it was, <laughs> in the space of these two games. And number three... I don't want to say that there is a direct correlation between United suddenly murdering Swansea on the break and Marouane Fellaini coming onto the pitch, but there's a definite, absolute correlation between us murdering Swansea on the break and Marouane Fellaini coming onto the pitch. Okay. Um, well, I can't disprove that, so, you know, I'm going to let you away with that one. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, <laughs> talking about the build-up to the second goal, it actually did come from a long ball from Fellaini. It was lovely, absolutely gorgeous. Good tenacity from Mkhitaryan to win the ball back. Martial ran with it and you know, good peace of mind from Mkhitaryan to pick out Lukaku and Fernandez, who got tangled up with, I think, moments earlier, basically drifted away from him, left him. And, you know, you've spoken about 
what Lukaku brings. And the easy criticism would have been before that goal was what's Lukaku done in this game? Well, that is exactly what he's there for. He was presented a chance on a plate through great work from uh, the players that are around him and he walloped it into the net. That is what he's there for. He's not necessarily going to create something out of nothing if United are struggling to break a team down, you know. But the way that he took that chance, it's further strengthened the notion that Mourinho has absolutely got the right man for his system this season. Because once he got through there, there was just no doubt in my mind he was going to ruin it. Obviously, it was a great chance. You know, no one anywhere near him. Goal at Uzmerski, Fabianski, absolutely stranded. But in those sort of situations, how often have we seen United struggle? How often have we seen United miss? And with Akaku, I just don't get that at the moment. You know, he's riding the quest of the wave. He took it beautifully. 2-0, that was job done. Yeah, well, he, he, he's an extraordinary finisher and you'd fancy him with that kind of a chance a hundred times out of a hundred, he's, he's just not going to miss it. And, um, you know, his confidence is high as well. Plus, he's probably in his own mind thinks he has a little bit of something to prove in terms of belonging at the top level. And, and you know, of course, there's a conversation to be had about where what United's level is at the moment, but he certainly believes he's at a club in which he can prove himself at the top level. Well, he looks ready for the big time, doesn't he? I think that's the big thing. Yeah, so you'd fancy him with that kind of chance every time. And yeah, you're right, you know, um, by having somebody like Lukaku there instead of Zlatan, you, you get somebody who isn't as involved in the overall play of the team and, and is more of just a, a spearhead in the attack and somebody who's going to be just ice cool finisher and you know he will work on the other aspects of his game in terms of his hold up play and in terms of how he brings other people into play but last season we kind of saw as a trade up you had Zlatan who you know scored 28 goals and, and did well so it's not to criticize him but was a bit of a bottleneck for um how almost every part of our attacking play needed to go through him so so imperious and assertive and and everything he was and and you know he wasn't as clinical in the finish and he was one of about four players fighting over that spot in the number 10 when whenever he whenever he was involved in the play so you're never going to see Lukaku as involved in build-up as Zlatan was but as a trade-up he's probably based on the form that they've both shown for their respective clubs since Zlatan joined the Premier League Lukaku's a, a much better finisher by the looks of things on, on current form anyway and in terms of where where Zlatan is in his career and the amount of chances he missed last season but again not a criticism for me though it's it's just yeah as you said I'm a lot more confident, a lot less concerned with those chances now because I feel that Lukaku will put him away every time. And then after that, the game was won, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, mobility is nice, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> that that third was, again, that was absolute. That was a wonderful little break. Mkhitaryan with a great run. You know, he pulled two defenders towards him. Wonderful pass over to Pogba. And what a finish for that chip as well. I mean, Pogba again. Oh, no. Don't. Why? <laughs> Just this it really is the running joke of this season. I'm not having it. It really reminded me of a genuinely beautiful goal that Nani scored. I can't remember against who, but in in one of his final seasons for us. But no, it was it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was absolutely. I mean, Pogba didn't necessarily have his best game by any stretch of the imagination. You know, in the first half, we were very deeply concerned he was going to be sent off because <laughs> with a couple of our players, you know, we were. We got riled up by Swansea in those that first sort of half hour. You know, they were giving us no space. They were being, as I said, quite uh, aggressive on the press, and it was very difficult for us to really do anything with the ball. And Pogba was getting frustrated after that. He kept his nose pretty clean, which was great, and it exerted so much influence on the way that we got those three goals in particular. And the finish, his second of the season, was just gorgeous. Absolutely great first time finish beyond Fabianski. 
3-0, but we still weren't done. Toto at number four. Yeah, it, it's interesting. He, he. I mean, it's. I was. I was speaking to um somebody on Twitter about it earlier. Speaking um, to a lot of people, Kev. No, well, you know, um, it was Saturday and there was a lot of football on, so I needed to impose my opinion upon people. You know yourself. Um, but <laughs> we were, were speaking about um, it was it was when the lineups were were introduced actually, and and somebody was saying, you know, it's uh, it's 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 unfair that Martial's not getting the start ahead of Rashford and I was kind of saying well and, and they said I think the point they made was that um, Martial achieved in 10 minutes last week what Rashford didn't achieve in 80 and I was like well it's a bit of an unfair observation because you know um, he's coming off the bench and you know that against tired legs he's a pair of fresh legs he's, he's kind of coming into the last reaches of the game and, and, and has a chance to come on you know like a spring chicken and and take a chance against a team who by that point in West Ham last week were already defeated you know and then thrown in the towel and there's a little bit of that this week as well um and the whole idea that uh Rashford uh was unlucky not to have scored last week and uh, whereas that might not necessarily be the case this week but what I thought Martial showed this week was again just that clinical edge that Rashford is kind of lacking at the moment and I, we spoke about it last week myself and Greg and and Martial just seemed so up for it you know and he 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 was quite passionate and enthusiastic in celebrating his goal there today and and mm. I'm not one of these people that are like he needs to smile more or anything like that but it was it was clear that it meant a lot to him and he was pointing to the badge on his chest and he was yeah it was like he looks like a player who is going to give Mourinho a real selection headache and he's just ice cold it was amazing Absolutely. I mean, we all like seeing players that we adore at this club touching the badge, looking over at the away end, who were, again, wonderfully vocal, as always, mm-hmm. completely drowned out Swansea for most of the game. That stuff's always good to see. I, I think you're completely correct. I mean, it, this sounds like I'm trying to pull that goal away from him, and I really don't want to make one. I don't want it to sound like that because it was so well taken. You know, Pogba, I mean, that, that was initially made by Martial breaking possession up, passing it on to Pogba, and then he basically did the rest. You know, he. Yeah had Watson completely just flat-footed. You know, he couldn't deal with him whatsoever. And he stroked it in so calmly into the bottom corner. It was a gorgeous finish. But at the same time, you, you've got to say that this, haven't you? You know, it is a sense of he's coming in at the end of a game that's already won. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're dealing with a team that is 80 minutes into a game as opposed to, you know, into the first 10 minutes. So obviously there's going to be a marked difference as to how fit and fresh and sharp they are. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think it is bad for Martial to be getting that experience at this moment. And I think the way to handle that at the minute is to perhaps keep this rolling and keep Martial hungry. If you bring Martial into the team at Rashford's expense next weekend, then you're potentially creating a problem for Rashford and thinking, oh, well, I've made some good chances last couple of weeks and I'm being dropped. So Mourinho does have something of an issue in terms of just making sure he manages these young players in the right manner. And I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks with something very similar to what we've seen this weekend and keeps Martial benched, but not necessarily as a punishment, just trying to keep him more hungry and perhaps use him as an option. I don't. I think Martial's done himself the, the world of good with how he's conducted himself this week in particular, and Mourinho's talking about him in a much more positive manner than he was last season, basically at any point, which is great, because we all rate him so highly, and you've seen from the goals that he scored this last week that he's just absolutely deadly, if given the opportunity and playing in the right system, this seems like this season could be so much better for him given the football that we're playing. And that is really exciting. 
yeah, my, my encouragement to Martial would just be to keep doing what he's doing. And I don't just mean in terms of, hey, please score more goals. But I mean, I think he is showing Mourinho whatever Mourinho has been looking for. You know, whatever has been... And you can, as you said, you can tell by the comments that Mourinho makes. Whatever he was looking for Martial to show that he wasn't last year. Um, you know, and you can... Putting all opinions about Mourinho's management of Martial last year aside, it's obviously motivated the player to some extent, or he is... For whatever reason, the player is motivated. So my encouragement to Martial is just keep doing the same thing, because I th- if he does, then he will make himself unbenchable. He will make himself a key member of the team just by default. Because if he continues to do this, then there's only so long Mourinho can leave him out for. But I'm I'm okay with it not coming immediately that he suddenly starts all the games. Because actually, I think the pattern of how the last couple of weeks have gone have allowed him to really take some confidence. And, and, and yeah, it, I think if he was to automatically start next week and not score, it might be a bit of a knock and it's just kind of yeah I'd be happy for him to just continue as he is for a while and and uh, because basically he's trying to convince Mourinho that he's a changed player from last year and and that's probably going to take some time and um, but what I what I liked about it is it that kind of clinical dissembling of a team that has thrown in the towel like we saw against West Ham last week like we've seen against Swansea today those are the types of those moments give you confidence to do that kind of thing when the chips are down and you need to do it to actually win a game. You know, so these kind of goals give confidence, these kind of, these kind of breaks give confidence and and yes, we're seeing them at the moment when we're already one or two goals ahead and and it looks like we're just, you know, running away with it. And it is fair to say I think that the 4-0 today was a little bit flattering of us, but actually oh, yeah. it will establish a rhythm of those kind of attacks and those kind of goals that we will soon be able to see happen earlier in games and they will be decisive when they need to be. And and it's just such a hallmark of a Mourinho side as well to these kind of three, four nil victories early on in the season. And, and in all of his successful seasons in England anyway, you would see his team scream into an incredible first half of the season and, and put away teams, four or five goals, smash teams, absolutely dominate. And then once it gets into the second half or final third of the year, it just becomes a bit more about defending and 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 just you know eking out one nil wins and stuff like that. So yeah, encouraging signs all around. I would say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think you bring up a great point in terms of talking about how these sort of performances and the way that we handle these games is hopefully going to breed a bit of confidence going forward because. So many times last season you saw us have a one goal lead or a, a, a very slim margin or be trying to fight back for you know, one goal leads, two goal leads, and it just wasn't working out and we would struggle to get results. We are properly putting teams away so far this season. Touch wood it continues, but it is a really encouraging sign, you know, and considering how long it's been since we've seen us be so dominant in front of goal. There's no way you can look at that as anything other than encouraging. You know, no one's going to get ahead of themselves at the moment. Mourinho is certainly not. You know, he said after the game, of course, this time last season, we had six points from our two games and we finished sixth. This start means nothing. Well, I mean, I I get where he's coming from there. You know, you don't want to suddenly start saying, well, I just don't want to get ahead of myself after these two games that we won 4-0. But I think we're definitely going to win the league. Mourinho's got the bit between his teeth this year, hasn't he? He looks like he is well up for it. That's That's my very professional observation. He looks well up for it. Yeah, I mean, I said a couple of weeks ago, just after the Real Madrid game, I wasn't necessarily sure if he had the the manner of a man who was ready to, you know, 
try and dominate the Premier League this season. And to be fair, it might have been a bit wrong with that. We'll have to see. <laughs> but talking about um, the football in general and the way we are putting teams away, yes, you do have to remember that we are only two games in to a 38-game league season. No, Ewan, no. Give us but, the, to- give us the trophy I, now. Name on the trophy. I, absolutely, that'd be good. Um, but that you have to take the positivity, well, the positive aspects where you can get them. And there is no way you can look at United winning these games 4-0 when we would have struggled to win 1-0, 2-1, 2-1, or maybe even drawn these games last season as anything other than a really, really positive aspect and progress from last season. You know, Mourinho didn't really give his team this sort of fluency. And whether or not that was as a result of the fact, as you mentioned before, that we had to play through Zlatan, and we've got the Kaki who is just far more mobile and suits what we're trying to do and our best assets so much better than Satan did last season. I don't know, but I'm babbling a little bit, but it's just so, so wonderful to watch us be so clinical and we struggled to do so so frequently when it was clear that our best assets are in attacking. It now seems like that is coming to fruition. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, my, my two main observations of um, the first two games of the season were one we've talked about already, which is um, you know, it's really fun to score goals on the break. I think they're the most enjoyable goals you can see scored. My other observation is Nemanja Matic. I just felt like every pass in our half, he was going to pop out of nowhere and intercept. He just intercepted so many passes. And by intercepting in the way that he does and carrying the ball out, he, he like drags that team out of our half, pulls us further up the field just by his reclaiming of possession and the way that he carries it forward and then passes it to the players ahead of him. It's 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 really interesting because in my head what we've needed is like a Makalele type holding uh, midfielder and, and myself and Greg were talking about it a little bit last week about the notion that well a holding midfielder is only a holding midfielder if they actually hold their position. But if you look at Matic, you know, he intercepts and he reclaims possession. Um but actually, if he was to then hold his position, I don't think he'd be as beneficial to us as he has proven so far because he's actually assertively carrying that ball out of our half and, and, and launching attacks. You know, not with, not like, you know, he is the one that makes the key passes and is our playmaker, but he sets the tone uh, of the thrust of, of our attacking play, I think, just by being the one that so assertively reclaims the ball and releases it to a more, um, yeah, a more creative players. Yeah, there was a really interesting uh, piece on The Guardian this evening that Daniel Taylor posted talking about how there was almost this confusion from his perspective. And I completely agree that Chelsea have allowed him to go for what you could describe as uh, the cheap, really. It was also talking about Rooney's uh, potential transfer to Chelsea in 2013, the season that Ferguson retired, talking about how Rooney was pushing for it, went to go talk to Woodward personally and was told in no uncertain terms, no, we're not going to sell you. And obviously the the whole narrative around Matic leaving Chelsea was that it was relatively easy straight straightforward. You know, uh, Matic went to Roman Abramovich, said, I want to leave. And, in, you know, for his good years of service, he was allowed to transfer. And the whole aspect of that article was looking at how important Matic could be, given how influential he's been for United in these first two games. Obviously, it's still very early days, but it's interesting to sort of wander ahead, essentially, and think about how influential that transfer could be and how much damage it could potentially do to Chelsea to have sold us that player, a direct Premier League rival and team that looks relatively strong this season and how big that could prove to be come the end of May. 
Yeah, I mean, I know we're going to do Twitter questions later, but given what we're talking about, I feel like I have to bring up this now. Um, this is a uh, Twitter question from our friend Trisha, and I don't want to disappoint anybody else that has Twitter questions coming up later, but this one's going to be pretty hard to beat. So it says, and I quote, Decca signed the Tremolos instead of the Beatles in 1962. Twelve publishers turned down J.K. Rowling's first manuscript for Harry Potter before Bloomsbury signed her on the advice of their chairman's eight-year-old daughter. On this scale of stupidity to monumental stupidity, where does Chelsea's decision to sell us Matic rank? <laughs> it's right up there with dumping Harry Potter, really, isn't it? Good grief. Absolutely. Yeah. It was very, very good. Fair play to Trisha. She has gone whole hog there. I really very much enjoyed that. But yeah, it, it just doesn't look like it was the best idea. You know, Chelsea spent so much money on Bakayoko, arguably, to provide themselves with a bit more of a, a starting option, you would assume. But selling Matic to a direct rival just doesn't really seem to make much sense. We've certainly benefited from it, and I'm very, very pleased that we have. But I still don't. I haven't been able to make any more sense out of it several weeks down the line. But I'm not going to complain about it at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones that might make sense in the long term for Chelsea if Bakayoko kicks on to be the player that he could be. But it's like Conte was saying that he wanted to bring Bakayoko in and for him to grow and learn under Matic um, because he wouldn't be able to be that kind of a player immediately for them. So it's one of those things that in if in two years' time Matic's legs are gone and Bakayoko is dominating the league, then in retrospect it will look like a good decision. But in the well, short be term... Fine because Chelsea just sells Bakayoko. So. <laughs> yeah, but no, in the short term it makes no sense. And, and you know, if, if it's the... Especially if it's the difference between United being a competitive... Um, uh, you know, a competitive title challenging side or not um it just makes no sense that they've done it but there we are one other thing to discuss before we go into twitter questions kev uh, a lot of people have mentioned it you know to sort of find the face of no one's talking about phil jones today but he was really good today phil jones what did you make of his performance i just wish he'd stay fit it's one of those things it, it, like Mourinho can like i don't know what he's been feeding him but so far this season, even though it's very early days, and then you look back to that 10, 12, 14 games that he had where he started alongside Marcus Rocco last year, and you say, whoa, he, he's actually quite the talent, isn't he? And, and I think he's at the point now where if he can stay fit, he has a genuine opportunity to potentially start to realise all of the possibilities and potential that we've always known that he could have. Similarly, I think if he doesn't stay fit, and he does get injured again, I'm not sure he's got many more chances left or any more chances left. I have a feeling that if Mourinho can't rely on him this year consistently, that that'll be that. But let's let's not focus on the negatives at this point. Mourinho knows how to train the defence, doesn't he? And, and Phil Jones is just clearly reaping the benefits of that. He looked so competent. And, and he didn't look like he was about to make that mistake that you always expect Phil Jones to make. Absolutely. I mean, I'd mentioned Fernandez again, uh, especially in the lead up to the second goal where he got tangled up with Lukaku and drifted away and left him completely wide open. And the way that he was so slow to react when Bailly was coming in after Fabianski had saved Pogba save for the first goal. Those are the sort of mistakes that have characterised a lot of United centre-backs for the last couple of seasons. And it's not just Jones, you know, it's Smalling as well, who's both been prone to these lapses of concentration that have cost yeah. us over the last couple of seasons. And it's down to making sure that it's it's just concentration, isn't it? You know, you you've just got to make sure that you switched on and you're aware. Today Phil Jones looked on it. You know, nothing really got through him and by. And for as long as Mourinho can keep them fit, he will continue to use them. 
because he's not one who is going to try and change up a winning side if it's performing in the right way. You know, you look at Daley Blind at left back. There may be a couple of positions across the park where you could say, all right, maybe we'll swap him around if, uh, if for the likes of Shaw, for instance, you know, come back from injury, which he's meant to be doing relatively soon, and are able to provide the sort of thrust and form that Mourinho is after. And speaking of Shaw, interesting to see that he's signed the new deal with Mourinho now convinced that he's got the right player, despite not having really proved anything. So, on the pitch at least anyway. So, that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. I'm not sure he's signed a new deal, has he? I think United are exercising an extension clause in his deal. So, um, But yeah, uh, uh, you know, a sign of confidence on, on United's part. I've got no problem with Jones making it at United. I've just, I think we've all got deep reservations as to whether or not that'll actually happen. And with the likes of Rocco coming back at some stage, and you know, I haven't got much faith in Chris Smalling's ability to carve out a proper United career for himself at this stage, considering what we know of him and what we've seen of him over the last several years. There's no short... And Victor Lindelof, you who know, again hasn't played a minute of Premier League football yet. And you know, the, his biggest contribution to this weekend was posting a rainy Instagram video of uh, him <laughs> right in front of Swansea Bay. Uh, when it was absolutely bucketing it down. Yeah, I think I think Jones' natural resting place in this squad will probably be a rotation option for the defence, you know, like a second choice or a, uh, you know, backup for by or maybe our, our third choice centre-back. Um, but yeah. because it's going to take Lindelof a time to settle in and it remains to be seen whether he will settle and show the form that is expected of him you know he's got an opportunity to make a position his own and make himself undroppable and if he continues to play the way he is then Mourinho is not going to be in any rush to bring Lindelof in um even though you would imagine that is the long-term aim is to partner Lindelof with uh with Bailly you'd assume so right Kev uh what have the wonderful people on Twitter sent to us for questions this evening okay so uh the first question of the night a very measured one from at Owen 0787 says, how will you celebrate winning the Champions League? <laughs> Ewan, how will you celebrate winning the Champions League? Uh, well, the last time we won the Champions League back in 2008, I celebrated it by hugging many strangers and crying quite a bit. So probably something <laughs> on those lines. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll probably like stand up out of my wheelchair and, and just cheer with all the other people in the nursing home but um no I'm, I'm I'm hoping of course that it'll come along a long time before that but um yeah uh, it'd be just great just to even be competitive again wouldn't it just to get out of the group stages and and then anything can happen I mean we almost definitely won't win it but yeah it, it's it's great to even be that that question can even come in as a joke it, it's just great that that's an option um Okay, yeah. next question of the night. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier. So this is at the boy Sly, uh, Peter Porker. Martial over Rashford and also against tough opponents, 4-3-3 or 3-5-2. So we've talked about Martial and Rashford a bit earlier on. I'm not sure there's anything new to say there. But just to pick up on the second part of his question, against tougher opponents, do you do you see us maintaining this 4-3-3 come 4-2-3-1 or uh, going three at the back and, and doing a 3-5-2? Um, I mean, I think that game against Chelsea could potentially be a good indication of what Mourinho would want to do ideally this season. You know, he's arguably got a few more options now in in the sense that he can be a bit more tactically flexible in terms of what formation he employs against two. So it made sense for these two games first off to basically go out attack, which why we didn't go with 4-3-3, which was essentially the the favoured formation for the majority of last season, right? So he didn't go with Carrick and Herrera and Pogba essentially in midfield and then three attackers ahead of them. He went with just Pogba and Matic and 
let those front four wreak havoc, which eventually they did. In terms of the bigger games, it wouldn't surprise me if Mourinho goes for something somewhat more pragmatic. Shocking, I know. Um, maybe you see a bit more of the three-five-two, but I think that kind of depends on who he can get to go on that left side. You know, we saw something along those lines when we played against uh, Liverpool, I think it was, at Anfield in October of last season. And we didn't necessarily have the right thrust down both flanks to make it work in terms of what we needed for both wingbacks. So I'm not necessarily 100% sure how that's going to work out unless, you know, obviously Shaw comes up and then just absolutely plays a blinder when he returns to the team. So we'll have to see. But I, I wouldn't expect us to just stick to 4-2-3-1 the entirety of the season. You know, Mourinho isn't going to stick to the same tactics game in, game out. You know, he's he's very good at you know, researching his opponents and figuring out the best way to beat them. And at the minute he's decided this formation is working for the, you know, I don't want to sound too rude, but the calibre of teams that we're playing. And it's working so far, but don't expect him to stick to it and be married to it for the entirety of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I still think that if we do see three or five at the back, um, it's going to be by exception, isn't it? And um, it's interesting, Mourinho talked about just this week, actually, about the reason that he wanted to bring in another player was that so he could play a wing back uh, in a three slash five in the back formation. And in the absence of that player coming in, um, it will be interesting to see if he still then does go with that type of a formation. But um, I think if we do see it, it's more likely to be against the teams that Mourinho thinks can really hurt us, um, like Chelsea last year. Um, but as long as we continue to have this rhythm of you know, catching teams on the break and, and attacking with pace and power, um, then it gives us the perfect foil to play those kind of formations if we know that we can counterpunch quite well. Next question from at Zukov43, Mr. Andrew Dayton. He said, uh, from Pogba to Lukaku, how great are United? Uh, Matic has freed up Pogba. I'm a happy effing camper. Not really sure there's a question <laughs> in there. They're not really sure there's a question in there, uh, Andrew. That sounds like a Father Jack-style statement of exaltation, doesn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess the Matic has freed up Pogba. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but mm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that he is the answer to Pogba's success in this team? Uh, I think he's an answer. I, I still think that playing a 4-3-3 uh, definitely caused some issues with Pogba last season, but I think that's something that could be employed at different stages. I don't necessarily see why... Herrera can't do a similar job if maybe not quite to the capacity that Matic is able to in, in playing in that same role. I don't think it has to be Matic every time. Mm. I think the four-two-three-one is certainly helping us in terms of breaking teams down a bit more because we have got an extra attacker on there and Matic is so great at breaking up the play when we lose possession that it basically mitigates a larger risk that we were dealing with last season when we kept on getting broken on so often and just struggle to try and keep pressure on teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm re- don't get me wrong, I really am enjoying that Matic has been able to offer Pogba a bit more freedom and you know, all mm. the quotes coming out from the club and Mourinho and the players themselves have been very, very positive ever since. But I don't think it's just down to Matic. I think there's there's been a change of tact from Mourinho this season that is getting more out of Pogba, which he knew he had to do because you don't spend eight to nine million pounds on one player and don't play to his strengths. Yeah, that's true. Okay, last question uh, of the night from Red Devil Aloke. Um, Great counter-attacking was the hallmark of Mourinho's Real Madrid and Chelsea teams. Do you see this United team falling into the same pattern? So yeah, if you look at particularly at Mourinho's Real Madrid side um, and when it had 
you know, a peak Ronaldo uh, on the break and, and broke all kinds of goal scoring and points total records in. In La Liga, it was very much based on counter-attacking out and out in almost every in, in almost all of their games, even in, in, in against teams that you would um, perceive that they should be dominating against. There was always a tendency to be set up in such a way as to invite teams onto them a bit so they could then counterpunch and, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many times I'm going to say counterpunch on this podcast, but um, <laughs> do you see in this being a way of United playing as we grow and, and hopefully improve, or do you see this being the way that will be successful counter-attacking? Again, I think it depends who we're playing, to be honest, Kevin. That's a bit of a nothing answer, but you look at uh, West Ham and Swansea, who have uh, combined haven't necessarily given us that much resistance over the course of these two games so far. Swansea was certainly a bit more organised, and as I said, a bit more aggressive than West Ham were last week, but essentially crumbled in the same way when we actually got the space and the width and the opportunities to run at them. So I think against the, again, so-called lesser teams, we could definitely see a bit more of this and playing on the break. Against the bigger teams, against, you know, the Chelsea's or, you know, the Champions League group stages games, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't necessarily think he would be minded to try and dominate possession in the way that we have done at some points in these games in the same fashion. He might necessarily want to go for a more attack, uh, counter-attacking style. And that's what he essentially tried to do a, bringing out the Liverpool game at Anfield again last season. That was essentially what we tried to do, wasn't it? You know, we let Liverpool have enough of the ball, kept my arm's length, and we had that one chance from Zlatan. That was the whole point. Get that one chance and score it. So we might see a more developed version of that, which is what United tried to do, and on some occasions were able to make work in the sense that we ceded so much possession but were able to hit so clinically. That could be part of Mourinho's long game. But again, until we face what you could consider a substantial opposition, it's going to be tough to say definitively, really, isn't it? Yeah, well, Mourinho's not a manager that is prescriptive in his attacking coaching in the same way as he is in his defensive coaching. I mean, remember that whole ludicrous thing where Van Hal had a pop at Herrera after he scored a really good goal because he didn't take a touch before he shot? And it's like, <laughs> I, d- I don't think... I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I like Mourinho is never going to be that kind of of a coach where he is that prescriptive in in attack. It's going to be a case of um, really, really schooling us in defence, really making sure that we are dominating spaces and and territory and 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 not sitting off teams too much and 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 making sure that we we come out quickly when we when we get possession of the ball back. But in in many ways, I think. Um, our main attacking approach is going to be shaped by the players that are on the pitch at, at that time. And, you know, yes, we've got people like Rashford and people like Martial and people like Lukaku who are perfect, and Mkhitaryan who have that kind of explosive ability to, to kill teams on the break. But but similarly, we've got players like Mata and, you know, Mkhitaryan when he decides to play a different way and Pogba who have an intricate pass and can play it about quite neatly as well. So, yeah, I think ideally we'll see... A blended approach where we can attack on the break, you know, really, really quickly when needed, but also are able to be patient and break teams down just by intricate play where necessary as well. This is going to be really interesting to see how it all comes together. But still, United are good. Top of the league, two games, eight goals, Kev. Happy days. First time in 110 years we've scored four goals first two games in a row absolutely 110 years i remember it well right (laughs) kev thanks very much for joining me tonight man always a pleasure cheers man
Guys, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over the internet. You can get our blog at www.redvoices.net. You can get Kev at at KevLVT. You can get me at at you and Lennox. And you can get us at Red Voices MUFC. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after the weekend's game at Leicester. Cheerio. Cheerio.